Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So um, I was reminded this week as I was preparing for this talk on, on this morning, I was reminded of the two words that God gave us earlier uh, on Vision Day, actually, early in the year. Uh, one was on consolidation and the other one was on, is on or was on uh, mobilization. That for us to go higher with God, we've got to go deeper, deeper into his love, deeper into his authority, deeper in, into the things of God. The higher a tree, you know, can grow and has to grow, the deeper the roots uh, got to go. And so that God really wants to build strong foundations in our lives. Strong foundations in our lives. Putting things right, putting, putting kind of divine order, order in your life. And Catherine and I have been really challenged by this uh, ourselves to put order into our home. We felt like this year, because a lot of things we haven't done, and you'd be very happy to know I've done half of the garage. So, so I, am, I am Easter camp, serious, during Easter. You know, it was a bit of a holiday too. The kids were away and stuff like that. But I did some stuff in the garage. So I did some work. We wanna, I want to do some painting. And, and Saskia and, and Wiley's boyfriend I did all the kind of painting like a few weeks ago. Boyfriend? It was boyfriend. Yes. Oh, Saskia's boyfriend, Wiley. Um, was a great drummer. Uh, he... Um, what did I say again? Oh, yeah, they were doing the painting. They were doing the percola outside and doing stuff. We're getting the house in order. We also want to get our marriage in order. Now, you probably think you've got a perfect marriage, right? Well, the thing is, though, I do have a perfect wife, right? But I don't have a perfect marriage because I'm part of it, too, you know? So, and uh, we actually want to do a marriage seminar a bit later in the, in the year, actually, this, this term uh, with Danny Silk. Um, keeping your love on, because I know that many of us who are married, um, you know, it's lovely to be married, but I think sometimes we need some help, and even we do need help, Catherine and I need help. And so it's good to just go there and just be. Anyway, we want to put consolidation of our marriage this year, too, and focus on our marriage and, and get the foundations right. Our health, we'll be looking at our bodies, you know, take sugar out of your, you know, caffeine, all stuff out of your life, you know, to become healthy and to honor God with your body and also in our finances, get stability and to uh, consolidate our lives in every way. Pay off debt, get rid of our debt. And so that's something that we are, uh, so we really felt for ourselves personally, but we also felt for the church. It was a word for the church uh, this year, to get healthy, to get healthy. Because when you get healthy, you start to grow and you can mobilize yourself and you can have vision. And so it's very important uh, in our lives to do this so we can grow and, and bear fruit, exciting uh, days. But I also felt that uh, including myself with this, is that some of us in this room uh, are also struggling with the process of this. Because when God puts something, his finger on something, it, it is sometimes a bit tough. Because, you know, you've got to change something. And sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's rooted at some deep insecurities, pain, abuse, whatever it is. And I really felt as I was preparing, because I'm not talking about this today, I'm just saying it now as a word, uh, is that, um, that, that God says just to encourage everyone that it's, that it's okay that I'm in this process, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the process. It maybe look really tough at times, and I've had those days too. And I had a really bad day two weeks ago when somebody uh, said something about me that was really tough to take, and I had to look at myself, and actually they were, they were a little bit right. <laughs> I'm still Dutch, you know, I can't be completely right, you know, because I've got, I've got truth, you've got truth, together we've got the full truth, so you can't have the full truth. Anyway, like that. No, but serious. But no, no, the thing is, though, we, um, that's why people are so opinionated. Do you know why Dutch are so opinionated? 
Do you know why? Because the truth is a hand. You're a pinky. You're a thumb. So we've got to discuss this together. And together we come to the truth. You haven't got all the truth. Neither do I. But together. And that's what they discuss. They, it feels like fighting. But you're not fighting. You're coming to the truth. You're kind of discussing stuff. People think that we are fighters all the time. And it was a little bit in this area that I was accused of doing something to somebody. And it was actually really hard for me to take. I really struggled with this. And, uh, but I had to look at myself. And my wife said, Catherine, I think Catherine says, I think some truth in there. You know? And I said, yes, it is. And so I had to look at myself, you know, and it was actually really hard to do. So when, when God puts a finger on something, he wants to, us to change, right, from glory to glory. And so I, I suggest, like I said before, that we welcome the process because the Holy Spirit is just amazing. And he's always very kind. He will never judge you, but he'll pull you into glory. He'll pull you into the things of himself, make, pull us into health, right? So I just want to encourage you guys to, to do this, and as a church too, that we are going to pull ourselves into, into health because... You know, there's so many, I read a thing yesterday, last year there was, an, um, there was an, um, a survey done in, in New Zealand about churches, and it shows the whole decline of the churches, you know. Now, I'm not sure exactly who did what where, and if it's really true that way, but it was really going down that way. And it was really sobering for me to read, you know, churches closing and, and people that's not going to church anymore. And I thought, wow, this is really bad. And, and, and you know, the thing is though, you know, Jesus says, you know, the the field is, is ready for harvest, you know. Now, we in this church, I think we're going against the trend, okay? We're just rebellious, you know. We're just going to be against the trend because we want to get people saved. So, the thing is, there's some great churches in the city, you know, in the nation, and, and they're doing very, very well. But others are struggling. And the thing is, though, you know, Jesus says, you know, look at the harvest, it's ready. But the workers are few, you know. And, and I said to myself, I said, no, in this church, it will, will not be few. We will all be working, Right? I hope that Jesus, when he returns up here, and he's here by his Holy Spirit anyway, today, right now, that, we, that, we, that he would look around and say, oh man, this church, there's no, you know, there's not a few. Everybody is on board. Everybody wants to see his kingdom come. Everybody wants to see, you know, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we've been given this mandate, right? We've been given this mandate of the gospels. We've become stewards of this beautiful gospel that Jesus Christ has given to us through his death and resurrection, and that's wonderful. So God is calling us into faithful stewardship, to be faithful stewards with our talents, with our time, with our treasure, our money, with everything. And I think part of that is to, for us to become stewards and to really consolidate how we look at our lives and how we move forward and become healthy in every area uh, of our lives. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to talk about one of my favorite subjects this morning on stewardship, and I'm going to touch on financial stewardship. And everybody says, Amen. I love this, you know. <laughs> Two years ago when I did the same thing, you know, it was like, <laughs> you know, amen, that's right. You know, we want to see, we want to see health in our finances, you know, and I've been on a journey myself and uh, with Gus here, our financial control in church and, and other people around the planet, I've been looking at things, you know, like finance, because I want to see freedom. I want the church to arise in the area of finance. So we do, we are healthy. We're not held back. We're not in kind of in this poverty mentality, but we know how God works. We know how the economy of God works. And we are, we are confident to, and bold to move forward and see amazing miracles happen. Now, wonderful to see Lucinda this morning having this testimony. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. When, when God always does this. When you talk about something, it will always be confirmed by a word or some testimony. And I was really, really blessed by the testimony just now of Lucinda. And you'll, you'll see uh, in a minute uh, why. 
So, uh, so I want to know. I want to know in the kingdom, and I'm still on the journey, how this thing works of, of finance. And often this has really held us back, you know. It held back Christians and believers from prosperity and from really knowing how to, how to do this thing. And so I don't want to be like this because money is a powerful, powerful tool for good. Money can change lives. It can change nations. It can change cities. Money is a very powerful tool. And I want to make sure that we steward it well so we can see his kingdom come. Amen? Amen. And like I say, normally you can, you can be in, in, involved. I know we're talking about money and stewardship. And it may not be your favorite uh, subject. Actually, for me it is because... Don't you want to have more money? Don't you want to do better? Don't you want to give more away? Fifteen. Of course you want to give more away. If you can give more away, that means you have more. Come on. We're not talking about prosperity gospel. That's not about that. Not a magic thing. But we are talking about how God works and how his economy works. And that's wonderful because he wants us to prosper. Do you know that, that, that Jesus talked more about money than anything else except for the kingdom of God? Money. Because it's such a strong, stronghold on us often, but also the power it can be to release the kingdom, to release evangelism, to release churches, to release you, to release missionaries. So let's just look at this today. Now, I want to look at this, um, this um, parable in, um, that Jesus said in, in, in Luke 16. But before I do, I want to go to Luke 15. Now, the thing is, though, somebody put those chapters in there, right? But it's basically the fourth parable that Jesus says in a row. He doesn't stop. And you'll see that when we start to read 16. He didn't stop because he says he also said this to his disciples. So it's like, and, and this before he talks about this uh, one in, um, in, in 16. He talks about really well-known ones in Luke 15. He talks about Luke 15. One that you may have heard about is the parable of the lost uh, sheep. Remember? A, a, a farmer or a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one goes missing. So he goes, he leaves the 99, he goes after the one sheep. Then straight away Jesus talks about the, the, the woman who's got ten coins and she loses one coin. And she sweeps the house, where is this coin gone? She's looking for the coin. And then it goes straight into the other parable, which is very known, is, is the, the, the parable of the lost son. Or the prodigal son. Where the son is lost and the father is waiting it's also called the, the, waiting, the, the parable of the waiting father. The father is waiting for him to come home. See, God rejoices when lost things are found. And the point of this parable is, whether it is one in a hundred sheep, 1%, whether it's one in 10 coins, 10%, whether it is one in two sons, 50%, the point is that God and all heaven rejoices when somebody gets saved, when somebody comes back into a relationship with God, right? Gets reconciled to God. It's rejoicing. There's rejoicing in heaven going on right now. I'm so glad that all these kids came to Christ at Easter camp. I know last Sunday night we had another person come to Christ and I thought it's all trickling through, but I believe it's going to be a Tsunami coming of people getting saved. Come on, we've got to believe this because God loves everybody. Yeah. And look, everybody wants everybody to be saved. And so there's this, uh, we see this, we've seen about 23 or 25 or whoever, now I don't know your stats yet, Jared, uh, maybe 30 saved so far in the last, um, last two months or so, which I think is great. Our goal is about 200 this year, which is great. It's a great goal, but I want to, I want to just beat that goal, you know, in the sense of I want to get much more than that. But let's be on a journey and let's focus on what Jesus focuses on and what God focuses on. And I think it's absolutely wonderful. People are the most important thing to God. They are the treasure of heaven. People. People. 
Jesus gave his life for people. We celebrated last week. He gave his life for people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God is not coming to the world to judge the world but to save the world. He did this. And that is the price tag on your life, on my life, on the person next to you when you sit next to at school or wherever at your work. That Jesus paid for them. That's how much worth they are. It is the life of the Son of God himself. So it's very important, very important that we love people. God loves people. Anyway, we're not talking about that one today because then we're going to the fourth one. The fourth one, people, Jesus kept on talking. But this is not very uh, celebrated, this particular uh, um, parable. Maybe because uh, we don't understand it, or we don't like it, or I don't know why exactly, but maybe because it's about money, I have no idea. But it's called the parable of the unjust steward. It is, or, or is the shrewd manager. Now I will read this because it's quite a long one, and I'm just going to read this with you, and I'll make some comments as we go. Luke 16, 1 to 16. He also, this is Jesus. He also said, he's still talking. He came out of the other three parables. Now he's still talking. He also said to his disciple, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm, not, I'm, too, I'm, I'm ashamed to beg. Oh, I have resolved what to do. That I, that when I put out of stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors. He called them to himself. And he said to the first, how much do you owe the master? He said, a hundred measures of oil, which is about 3,000 liters of olive oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. So 1,500 liters. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. There's about 30 tons of wheat. And he said to himself, take your bill and write 80. It's 24 tons. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly or prudent. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Just take it. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. The NIV says a bit easier. Use money to make friends for yourself. That's pretty cool. Jesus talking. <laughs> Use money to make friends for yourself. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And who is, who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust? The true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what another man's, in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either they will hate the one and love the other, or else be loyal to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees who loved who were lovers of money also heard all these things. And they derided him. I had no idea what it was, so I had to go to the word dictionary. It means scoffed. They, they scoffed at him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination, abomination, sorry, in the sight of God. Does anybody understand that? Isn't it amazing? What a, what a powerful, powerful 
parable. It's probably not one of your favorites, but it's very, very powerful. And it's all about money. It's all about financial stewardship, the concept of stewardship. So Jesus calls the steward and says that he cannot be trustworthy in handling somebody else's property. Then who is going to give you property of your own? Who will then trust you with true riches? Now that's a very, very important point. Because what Jesus is saying is how can you, what is true riches? What is true riches? True riches are people. True riches is the kingdom realm. It is, it is salvation. It is healings. It is deliverances. It is the, it's the, it's the, it's the glory realm. It's the stuff of God. And he says here, how can I trust you with that kind of stuff if I can't even trust you in the area of money? Money, what you can do something about. The other stuff you can't do anything about anyway because you need my spirit to do this. So, so in that sense, I mean, it's a bit of a tell-off, isn't it? So he says the whole thing of, I have a letter. The bottom... Do you say wrong? Wrong. Of this letter, that's like finance. That is trusting God with your finance. And then you start moving towards, many of us say, God, give me the nations. I want to see the people saved. I want the people see you delivered and healed and all this kind of stuff. But then Jesus may say, well, what about, what about your money? What about, what about trusting me first with the stuff that you can actually do? It's in your hands instead of all the miracles that you want to see. That's what Jesus is saying here. Actually, many of the parables that Jesus talked about were about stewardship. You know, Paul called himself a steward. He said in uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, Let a person regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful. That one be find, found faithful. When we become a Christian, when you become a believer in Christ, a major identity transformation takes place. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, is anyone in Christ, Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Now, all things have become new. The caterpillar has become a butterfly. The caterpillar is not the caterpillar take two, that caterpillar with wings on this time, or a supersonic caterpillar. A caterpillar has been changed into a complete new creature, a butterfly. We have an identity change. I love this. That's why I love Easter. And some of you were not here last week. I love talking about Easter because on Good Friday is an amazing day. But Good Friday is a good day. Why is Good Friday a good day? Because on Friday, Jesus gave his life and he sets us free. And he, he pays for the price, the penalty of sin, right? So we get a new name. We get declared a new name because you go being from a sinner, you go being for, to a saint. We're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace only once, right in the middle when you say yes to Jesus. Before you were in Christ, you were a sinner. You said yes to Jesus and you are a sinner saved by grace. And then you move right into sainthood. Right? So that's the wonderful thing about the gospel. But it's sainthood. So he declares you a saint. Right? But it's, it's a declaration of a name change. But it doesn't mean you've been changed from the inside out because that, that happens on Easter. That's why Easter is a great celebration because you don't need just a declaration of a name change. You need an impartation of a nature change. And so you need to be changed in your nature. You've got to be born of God, become a new creation. 
that is so powerful. I love new creation. And so we have all these new identities that we have in Christ. One is we are a saint. Saint forever. Two, we are a son. It's generic. So a son or a daughter of God. I love that we are sons and daughters of God. We have the ring. If you look at the, the parable of the prodigal son, we have the ring, right? We have the authority. We have the authority to manage and to steward our father's business, the kingdom, right? You've been all empowered to do this, to steward this stuff. And we'll talk about this more this year. It's very, very powerful in this. So we are saints uh, and sons. We are also servants. We saw this just now with Paul. We are servants of Christ. But we are also stewards. We are stewards of God's mysteries. We are stewards of the things of God, of the kingdom of God. I really want you to get today what it means to be a steward, to get the concept of stewardship. A steward is somebody who, el who handles somebody else's property or money or things like this. And the main point in this parable is that we are called to steward money well and to be trustworthy. Amen? Amen. Can anybody, everybody say amen, please. Amen. Some of you are sleeping. Nah. What is stewardship? What is stewardship? Stewardship is that you are in charge of handling somebody else's property. You're handling something that is not your own. Could be property, could be money, could be anything. That is stewardship. And the man here was employed to be a steward in the parable of the rich man. To steward his money. It was not his money. It was his boss's money. And he was to steward his money. To do something with it. To invest it. To make it go further. To develop it. To multiply. And whatever you have to do. You know in the epistles. We see the concept of stewardship over and over again. It's very interesting that uh, the book of Romans. Which is of course the book for the Gentiles on the grace of God, the unconditional love of God, the forgiveness of sin. Yet Paul, at the beginning of this amazing book of Romans, says this, I am in debt. I am in debt. How can he be in debt? This is the book that talks about that Jesus, and we celebrated it last week, that Jesus has canceled every debt we owe. How can we have debt? He says, I am debtor. Look at this, Romans 1.14. I am debtor, both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. Isn't it amazing? Paul is not in debt to God. He is in debt to the Jews and particularly the Greeks, the Romans, he is in debt to. Why? Because he understands stewardship. He's got something in his possession which is not his possession. He's been given the gospel of Jesus Christ and he says, I am in debt to preach the gospel to Rome. People in Rome where he's not even been before. He doesn't even know. But he knows I've got something in my possession that is not mine. But God has given this to me and I've got to be a faithful steward to go and to give this to the people in Rome. He goes even stronger. It's interesting in the whole grace vibe. You know, he uses the word obligation. He uses the word duty. I am obligated. Yes. You know, he is obligated to say, man, I want to preach this gospel. I have been given this gospel for the Romans 
and he wants to do that. Anyway, so what I want to do is now I want to illustrate even more what it means to be a steward. So I'm going to ask my friend Josh to come up here. I'm going to ask you a question. Josh, <laughs> do you owe anybody in this room any money? No. Not even to your wife? No. That's amazing. You're the other way around. It's okay. So you're in, you're in debt to no one? No. Okay, more specific. Are you, are you owing anybody 100 bucks? No. Okay, so Josh is saying to me and to all of us here in this room that he owes nobody anything, not even 100 bucks in this room. He is debt free. Praise Jesus. He is debt free. Now, Josh, um, Catherine and I, I want to give $100 to Julie uh, for the Brands Out ministry. We just love the ministry on the street, poor and needy, and the, and the people, and the, the homeless people. And we want to give 100 to that. So would you please take this? And I would like you uh, to, to give this uh, to, to Julie. Sure. Is that right? right now? No, no, before you go. Okay. Now, Josh, do you owe anything to anybody in this room? Yes. <laughs> what do you owe? Are you in debt to someone? To Julie. How much? $100. $100. In a minute ago, he, like less than a minute ago, he told me he was free, had no debt in this room. Now, he certainly has debt in this room, $100 to give to Julie. Right? Now, the thing is, though, he can be a faithful steward and give the money straight to Julie, which I hope he will do, and we'll watch it in a minute. If he doesn't, <laughs> and, if he, and if he doesn't do it, I'm going to take him out. Oh, John, you'll take him out, okay? Right there. You know, he's, uh, if you run that way, I'm going to take you out. So the thing is, though, right now, yeah? So that's, no, 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 don't go yet. Almost, 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 yeah? So we trust that Josh is not going to take this out and go to McDonald's, right? We, we know he won't do this. I know, if I ask John to do it, I mean, yeah, John, go get, you know? That's right, you've been there already, and it's like, this is... So, uh, so he's, he's a great steward. We're going to trust him. Let's give it up for Josh. He's going to give the money right now to Julie. Now, you know what the amazing thing is? This is really funny. I mean, it's all a small amount, right? But Lucinda was talking about it this morning. It's really amazing because somebody gave us... Because I said to Kath, I want to give $100 to you guys, right? The illustration, but also because I love you guys and you're amazing. Um, but the thing is, though, what happened was somebody two days ago gave us $100. In this church, I think, because it was, got, it was given through, through something. Somebody gave Kath and me $100. Isn't it amazing? So I already had talked to myself, I want to give $100. And then I saw this email come through of some of the bills we had to pay. And we were in there. Somebody gave us $100. I said, that's amazing. So thank you. Anybody give $100. But that's how it works, the kingdom. See, God already knew this. And then he didn't know I was going to give. God knew. But you know, and then, and then give it to him. And that's how the kingdom works. And I thought, this is a wonderful illustration uh, to this thing. So stewardship is having something in your possession, which is not your possession. But you steward it uh, for that other a person. It doesn't belong to you. And the guy in the parable, the steward, he was meant to give this money and to, to steward this money well, and he didn't do uh, very well. By the way, I'm going to talk about it next week too. I can't get through the whole thing uh, today, but I really want to focus today on the concept, the principle of stewardship, that you really get stewardship. Now, God has entrusted things into your possession, into our possession, which are not our possession. Right? 
There's stuff in your hands that is actually not yours. Now, can I say something from the beginning? That, of course, nothing that we have is ours. Our lives are Christ's anyway. So let's not even be haughty about the stuff or think like, hey, man, it's my stuff. I worked for it. No. God has got your life. He's given you the job. He is the one who blesses you. Yes, you work hard. But the thing is, though, let's give him the glory first, right? It's all about him anyway, right? But anyway, all of us have, have been given talents. All of us have been given time. All of us have been given treasure or money or, or wealth. And all of us have given uh, like a temple and a body. Now talk about the body for a moment. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, and the Bible says, that you've been bought with a price. The body is not your own. I'm really sorry. It is not your own. But you are a steward of the body that he has given to us. Because God has entrusted us with this beautiful body. Tell your neighbor, man, you've got a beautiful body. Oh, maybe not in church. I'll do it anyway. You've got a beautiful body. Nobody's saying anything. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Catherine, you've got a beautiful body. Let's say them. Anyway, so look after it. See, Catherine and I really challenged about health, to, to be healthy, because you can't just abuse your body. We get the highest rate of bowel cancer in the world. New Zealand. God's own. What's wrong with us? It's all what we eat, guys. It's all the bucket loads of meat and not much fiber. So the fiber, you count the many number twos. Sorry to say it again. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it again, but that's how it works. You're not embarrassed about this, are you? No, of course not. You are, Catherine. Because they are not. So I'm talking to them, not to you anyway. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so look after yourself. Look after what goes into your body. Because it makes it work good or it makes it work bad. If you put bad stuff into your body, you're going to get sick, right? You know how many people have diabetes in this country? Guys, come on. Let's look at our body. Make sure we look after. The tongue. I mean, good grief. God has given us stewarding of the tongue. Now, this is one of the problems I have a little bit, my tongue, because it's, <laughs> come on, it's like, you know, yes, it is my problem, it's both my blessing and my curse, if you, like. you know what I mean, in the sense of I, 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 I can, I often speak faster than I think, so I get into trouble very quickly, and so I've got to pull back a little bit, like I'm doing even now, uh, pull back uh, and just make sure I do, but your tongue, remember you can't really, for cursing, you can bad, and you can bag people, and you can bad attitude, and you can you know. But the thing is, though, you can also bless and encourage. And to, you know, the tongue is given. Gift of sex. Let's not go to sex, shall we? Maybe it's as, well, I'm going there anyway. <laughs> sex. I mean, sex is beautiful. Sex is beautiful. Within marriage between a man and a woman. That's biblical. But you get into trouble when it goes extra. So the thing is, though, steward. Steward. The stuff, the beautiful gift that God's given us. And the list goes on and on and on about our bodies. It's powerful. Now, you've been given other talents. I mean, I'm so impressed by Jonathan, my son, and, of course, Matthew in the back there, PowerPoint, all three there, actually, and also Alan just came back into the door. And um, I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to do it. So these three people, I mean, what they do with the video and with the PowerPoint and with the music, they've got a little gift, right? But they also apply their gift. They steward their gift. They learn about these gifts. They, they develop these gifts. I mean, I developed drumming. People say, it's nice to drumming, Gideon. The thing is, though, man, when I was young, when I was 18 years old, I used to play four hours a day. Now, I'm not as good anymore as I used to be, right? But the thing is, though, I played for hours every day because I wanted to get good. I wanted to apply myself. God had given me a, 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 a gift, and I wanted to steward the gift. All of us have got gifts, but the gifts are not yours. 
They're also yours because you can enjoy them. And you can, I love it when I play drums. I love it when I preach. I love it when I do other stuff, which is in my gift mix, right? But the thing is, though, basically, it's stewarded also for other people. You've been given stuff, it's for other people, to serve other people, to love other people, to bless other people. Whatever you're called to do, whatever you can do very well, do it with all of your hearts and be a steward. Now, you know, when God implemented the regular giving way back with the Israelites, God speaks about tithing. He speaks about the, the general regular giving of money. He says, 10% you take of your crops, your income, your harvest, or whatever, and it's mine. But the interesting thing about this whole thing, you know what is interesting? He says, don't give of your money. He says, give of my money. Very interesting. It says in Leviticus even, in Leviticus uh, 27.30, it says the tithe is holy. It is holy. It is set apart. Now, the thing is, though, the first 10% of our lives... People have such a problem with this whole thing, you know. It is God's. It is actually your, not yours to give away. It is actually yours to pass through your hands, yes. But it's actually not yours. God is honored this way. It says in the Bible here, it's this beautiful thing about this. Um, oh no, in a minute, I'll get there. In a minute. But so many people have a problem in this area of tithing. Because there are some kind of Old Testament or law, kind of a harsh law. It's not a harsh law at all. Now, we're not no longer under the law, so if you don't do it, you don't get cursed like we have to do. It's wonderful. But the thing is, though, it's still a principle, but more than that, I suggest it is stewardship. Because it's giving something that is not even your own. Now, some of you have to swallow. The swallow is all right. I tell you, man, when you learn to give to God, you can't outgive God. And I'll tell you something else. You know when we give our 10%, that's God's, to give it to the kingdom. I believe it be to the church. That's how Jesus runs his church. You know we're not even touching on generosity. And we're not even touching on sowing and reaping. You want to sow and reap? Like Lucinda said, that's sowing and reaping. Next to your normal giving to the church, that goes to the church, that goes to God's work. On top of that, you are called to then be generous. And you can start doing the sowing and reaping. Man, I want to know about sowing and reaping. And I'm still studying about it right now. One of the great pastors in this nation, Paul de Jong, he's written a book, God, Money, and Me. It's the biggest church in the country, in Life Church in Auckland. I was at a seminar the other day. Powerful. Powerful. You read the book, right, Gus? It's pow- I want to learn what he's learned. It's way beyond the, the giving of the 10% or whatever. It talks about how we go after it. How can we start yielding the 30, 60, and 90, 100%? But people say, yeah, I give my money to God at 10%. That's not giving. You can't sow God's money. It's his money. You can't sow that. You give it. I go straight away. Catherine and I get money. Boom. Straight to the church. Done. Now on top of that, we start giving to missions. Oh, but it starts sowing. Now we start sowing. And then you can also expect reaping. Because now suddenly there's a different law going on now. The sowing and reaping. Now I'm not talking about it today. But I just want to say to you, I'm studying about this. And I will release it when I know more about it. Because I want us to do well. Because I see churches and people and ministries struggling all the time. And it's just not right. And the reason is because people just don't know how God's economy works. That's the way it is. And so we want to be faithful. Generosity in the New Testament. Man, come on. Generosity is such a different thing. And I will talk about some other day. But that's, I just want to 
encourage you and get you excited about all this stuff. See, money is a trust. Money is a stewardship. And God invites us into stewardship. It's all His anyway. There's some beautiful scriptures, and I'll finish with that. Catherine, you want to come up? Just because I love you. Come stand next to me for a moment. Don't you love this woman? You know, she's here. It's amazing. She'll be in the hospital right now. She's really sick. But you wouldn't even know, would you? She's amazing. Seriously, she's an amazing woman. She just keeps going. She'll go after the hospital after this. Straight there. And uh, Deuteronomy says something beautiful. You should remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. He's giving you guys the power to get wealth. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about he has anointed you and given you the power and talents to get wealth. Some of you have got businesses. Other people got um, inheritances that have millions of dollars and you invested wisely so you get good returns or whatever it is. God has given us this stuff. It is so beautiful. The blessing of the Lord makes rich in Proverbs. It's wonderful. Right in the beginning, God says to Abraham, I am going to bless you to be a blessing. How can you be a blessing if you're always struggling? Again, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel, but I am talking about the principles of God. And when we follow the principles of God, it simply works. This is my favorite one in Proverbs. Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income. And He will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine with the finest, of, uh, your wine vats with the finest of wines. You know, when we put Jesus first, it is amazing what gets released. When we start honoring God, when we start worshiping God with our money, that is not even our money, when we become good stewards, it's amazing what is released. What does it say here? He will fill your barns. He will overflow. I want to live in the overflow. He will fill your pockets. He will fill your businesses. He will fill your hands and your workplaces or whatever. And I have several people in this room right now who've had amazing miracles because they're faithful. You know, I tell you, when we become faithful in this area, the sky is the limit. Because when God sees that we can trust Him, He says, man, you're going up the ladder here. And the miracles will start happening. And I tell you, above this bottom letter here about trusting God is the other letters of supernatural provision. Man, we start to, to tap into the supernatural things of God. But people say, yeah, but I can't give. I got no money. My, my budget is so tight. I'm really sorry. But that's, God never said here, you know, you can give this stuff, but if you're tight or you're struggling, don't do it. It doesn't work that way, people. People still ask me. What I say to people when they say, Gary, I'm really struggling with my pension or I'm really struggling with my thing. Then I say to them, listen, if you're struggling with taking the 10% and you really can't do it, you haven't got the faith for it if you like, because God will provide for you. Then what you can do is say, God, what would you like me to start with? I need to build my faith in this whole thing. And God may say, maybe $10, whatever. And then if you're faithful with that, suddenly say, hey, something's shifting here. Something's happening here. I want you guys, I want myself to prove God right. Can we please prove God right? Because I want you to prosper. I want the church to prosper. And the main reason is because of the kingdom. Because the people who are lost. It is because of money that we are often restricted to getting the, the, the gospel out. Let in this church, let us not be restricted by finance. Amen? Let's just trust God. You know, in the end, it's not really about stewardship. 
In the end, it's about worship. It's about, it says, honor God with your first. Worship God. Come on, we've got to worship Him. Let's stand together. You've got to worship Him. The wonderful thing to worship Him. Let go of this thing that's to His and trust God with your money this morning. Trust God with your money. Let's put God first in finance. Let's become faithful stewards of what God has talked about. Now next week, I hope you're going to come back. I hope you're going to stay away because that will prove my point how you're still a baby. God wants to mature you into sons and daughters of God. This is a very, very important subject. Next week, I'll continue this thing and I'll talk about first fruits. The power of first fruits. Now, honestly, you want to hear this. It is really, really good. I'm so encouraged myself already. I couldn't put it in today because I'm running out of time. But it's just so powerful. God wants Him first. How are we going to respond to this? I'm going to say, Jesus, I put you first place in my finance. Are we going to say, Lord, I want, I want to be a faithful steward. I want to be a faithful steward. I want to worship and adore you with everything I have. Lord, I thank you so much for blessing me with everything you've blessed me with so far and everything you're going to bless me with in the future. Lord, I receive your blessing because I want to be a blessing. I want to be a steward, Lord, of your estate, the kingdom of God. Lord, I worship you. Father, I pray also in this room right now, Lord, if there's any fear still in this area because it can be such a stronghold in people's lives. Lord, I pray for a release of faith instead of fear. I bind faith. Guys, in the Bible it says about capturing those thoughts that are not from God and submitting it to Christ. And these can some of the thoughts that you may have even today. He says, I'm fearful that I won't have enough. That is orphan talk. That is not son talk. God knows exactly what you need. But he wants to play by his rules, by his ways. Any fear go in Jesus' name in this room and may faith be released. Father, I pray you teach us in these days how the economy of God works so that we can be released, Lord, in this latter day or last day harvest. That we would have the money and the funds and the resources, Lord, to pay for these things, for the pay for the missionaries, to pay the bills, to see many people come into the kingdom of God, that nothing will be impossible. Lord, make us faithful. Help us to grow in this area. Consolidate our lives in this area too, Lord. We honor you and we bless you.